Jesus. Let us be attentive. Tight is my son, the saying is sure. I desire you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to imply themselves to good deeds. These are excellent and profitable to men, but avoid stupid controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels over the law, for they are unprofitable and futile. As for a man who is factious, after admonishing him once or twice, knowing that such a person is perverted and sinful, he is self-condemned. When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing, and let our people learn to apply themselves to good deeds, so as to help cases of urgent need, and not to be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. Peace be to you, the reader. And with your spirit. St. Luke, let us be attentive. Glory to you, O Lord, glory to you. The Lord said this parable, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trodden underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil, and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of of God. For others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God, the ones along the path are those who have heard, and the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who when they hear the word receive it with joy. But these have no root and they believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. 
And as for what fell among thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. And as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word of God, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bring forth fruit with patience. As he said these things, he cried out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Peace be to you who proclaims the gospel. dear friends whom I miss. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. The Lord in His earthly ministry often spoke in parables, and He used parables to convey truth because parables are very powerful in that they are stories. And stories are powerful because they help us experience whatever is being conveyed. So that is why the great books of literature are so important. Writers like Dostoevsky and others are so important because in reading their stories, we experience what the protagonists experience. And truth is conveyed in a powerful way when we can experience it. And in fact, the gospel itself is a story. And in reading that story, we experience the life of Christ and His ministry and His suffering and His ultimate conquering of death. And today, we're given a parable, and usually, well, the Lord speaks in parables because not everyone is ready to understand. And in speaking a parable, those who are ready can understand what it means and apply it to their life, and those who are not ready or do not want to hear will not understand, and so they will not be accountable. And God loves us so much that He doesn't force truth on us, but He sits it there, has it there, ready for us to come and take it. And not everyone is hungry for it, so He just leaves it there. So as not to condemn anyone, but to give everyone the opportunity to be saved. But in today's parable, we have something a little bit different, and that Christ goes ahead and explains it for us. So, we are those who hear. So we have no excuse because he explains the meaning to us. The seed is the word of God, and the ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation they fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. These are the bad or negative soil. And usually when I preach on this gospel, and probably most of us clergy are the same way, we usually focus on these things. What are the thorns? What are the rocks? 
What is the hard ground? And how can we not be that? But today I want to focus on this next sentence. And as for that in the good soil, they are those who hearing the word hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bring forth fruit with patience. Now what does this mean? To hold the word fast in an honest and good heart. What is an honest and good heart? Well, we know it's not the other types of soil. We know an honest and good heart doesn't have thorns, and it doesn't have rocks and boulders, and the ground is not hard. And we all know what these thorns and boulders are. We don't need to rehash them. Maybe each one in our own life, we recognize the thorns that we have allowed to grow in our heart. And we recognize the boulders that are there and the rocks we have put there by our own will and our own sin. So we know a good and honest heart is not that. So what do we look for? Who is our example? First of all, we look to Christ and we imagine what Christ's heart would be like in a good and honest way. And how He has brought forth fruit with patience. Remember that the Son of God was there at the creation of the world, that He helped create the world, that He helped create us in His own image and likeness. And that from the fall of Adam, He waited for a time when He could come and fix what Adam and Eve had wrought, the destruction they had wrought. He waited and waited until a young woman appeared, a pure virgin who lived in the temple, serving and glorifying God, and he found her worthy to be his mother. Again with patience, waiting, he allowed himself to become like one of us, a slave, hiding his divinity, setting it aside in a humble way, emptying himself so that he could become like us, again with patience, allowing himself to grow subject to the laws of human nature, to grow from a baby and to mature into adulthood, again with so much patience to wait and wait and wait until he was 30 years old. Those of you who are young, who are 8, 9, 10, 11 years old, 18, 19, 30 years seems so far away, I'm sure. It really goes by fast. But with what patience the Lord waited until the time was right, until Kieros would come, the time of fulfillment. And then set apart on his set out on his earthly ministry again with so much patience bearing with his disciples who over and over again misunderstood and fought over who would sit at his right hand and who would sit at his left and complained and didn't get it over and over again he was so patient with them and with those who came to him with diseases and illnesses until he finally allowed himself to be taken away and crucified, undergoing death, to destroy death. With what patience and what purity of heart and purpose our Lord acted. And we look to the saints. I think of St. Paisios the Athenite, the new saint of our church, who often used this word philotimo, philotimo in Greek. An honest and pure heart that is motivated humbly by love for God, that doesn't think of oneself, but only of others, and acts out of gratitude and humility. And this, this is the type of heart that we are after, so that the Word of God 
can grow and sprout and bring forth fruit in our life with patience. Now, if you're like me, you look at this parable, you say, okay, I'm along the path, I've got thorns, and I've got rocks, and I've got all these bad things. How do I make this heart honest and good so that I can bear fruit out of love for God? I had to come to terms with the reality that these things don't happen overnight. And in fact, most of our life is spent in toil where we are working to remove the thorns and the rocks. We may not find, or God may not find, our heart to be good and honest, possibly till our dying breath. And we have to be okay with that. Because we are to bring forth fruit with patience. And patience means that we endure this struggle for days and days and years and years, never resting, never imagining that we're there, that we've reached our final destination, that now we can relax and settle down. But always constantly examining our heart and finding the thorns and finding the rocks and not letting the thorns and the rocks scare us, not letting them push us into despondency, but being motivated by the, by the fact that they're there and that we want them out. All of us do. None of us want to have a heart of thorns or a hard heart with rocks and stones in it. And I'm reminded, and I've been reminded in my life, as I find myself growing impatient, waiting for the grace of God to change my heart, I was reminded often of the words of St. Siloam the Athenite. The word that came to him from God when he, as a young monk, having experienced the grace of God, the uncreated light, at a very young age, a very early in his monastic life, committed one sin, one thought, one judgmental thought, and he stopped having this experience of God. And for years he wept, begging God to come and relieve him of this pain that he had, of not having God with him in that way anymore. And finally, in the midst of his pain one night, the word came to him, Keep thy mind in hell and despair not. Keep thy mind in hell and despair not. And he's explained, and Elder Sophroni, who soon will be Saint Sophroni, has explained this word. That keeping our mind in hell is standing in the midst of God, in His presence, knowing our sinfulness. The overwhelming stench of our sinfulness, yet not losing hope. Being aware of our sin and recognizing what we're doing to ourselves, but at the same time, knowing that God loves us and that He can help us and that He can and will save us. But again, my brothers and sisters, this takes patience. And for now, we're in the time when we struggle and we war. And something else I've had to learn the hard way is that we are given by our church many tools Many tools for the spiritual life. Many ways to go closer to God. And we might think of them as, or call them pious customs or outward forms of piety. We have the Jesus prayer. We have prostrations. We have fasting. We have the sacraments of the church. 
We have all these things. And in the beginning, we, we take these things on rather eagerly. And we perform them and we try very, very hard. And they're at the forefront of our mind and our effort. And we keep them religiously. We develop a rule of prayer that we keep. And in the beginning, it's easy. And then it gets difficult. And when it's difficult, sometimes we make mistakes, we grow faint-hearted, and we see, I'm not really changing. I've been doing all these prostrations, I've been fasting for years, but I don't feel like my heart's changed at all. What am I doing? What is this? And we set these things aside as if they're the problem. When the problem really is us. The antidote for us, my brothers and sisters in Christ, is to do these things with knowledge and with mindfulness and awareness of God and His presence. Every time we fast, every time we say a prayer of any kind, every time we come to divine liturgy, every time we receive Holy Communion, to do so with a watchful mind and with nepsis with a watchful mind that is aware of the presence of God and aware of what we are doing. It's very easy to live a life in the church, even as a priest, even as a priest, and to go through this thing mechanically, and to do all these things mechanically, not because we want to do it mechanically, but because we fall into it. Because our heart is in love with other things instead of God. And so it's very easy to keep these things while loving all these things over here. And when we do it this way, it doesn't penetrate our heart. And the thorns still grow, and the rocks still stay buried. So how do we uncover them? And how do we get to pull out the thorns? You should know this saying, because our parish is St. John the Baptist. Do you remember the words of St. John? Speaking about the Lord's coming... He must increase, and I must decrease. He must increase, and I must decrease. And we can use this saying. I remember seeing in the computer in the office, I don't remember if it was Tomayita's computer or Father Theodore's, but seeing that run across the screensaver. He must increase, I must decrease. And I thought at the time, and I think now, we can use that phrase almost like the Jesus prayer. That's something that we remind ourselves of over and over again. That God must increase in my life, and to a degree I must decrease. What does that mean? It means that my will, my self-will, my selfishness, my love for myself must decrease in order for God's love to manifest itself in me, in order for it to increase. And as we go through life, as we go through divine liturgy after divine liturgy, and prostration after prostration, And Jesus' prayer after Jesus' prayer, if we're able to do these things mindfully, with hope in God and knowledge of His love for us, then our heart will begin to soften. And the thorns will start to wither. And the rocks and the boulders will manifest themselves so that we can take them out with God's help. Always with God's help. And so... My brothers and sisters in Christ, when we come across this parable, and maybe we associate with the bad soil, let's not lose heart. 
and realize that most of our life might be spent in this phase of the spiritual life where it's hard work and our heart feels dry and our prayers sometimes feel empty. And know that this is okay. This is the experience of the church. This is the experience of the saints. It's a struggle. And it's okay. At the end, if we stay faithful and we are patient, we will bring forth fruit. Or rather, God will bring forth fruit in our life. And He will see to it that we have an honest and good heart. Through His mercy and grace and love for mankind, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.